0: This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at altizen.com, A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to John Russell in a two-episode arc on the major acquisitions that are shaking the Asia landscape from Southeast Asia to China. In the first part, we discuss the recent acquisition of Uber Southeast Asia by Grab and its impact to Gojek and Ola within the Asian landscape. Hi, John. Hi, Bernard. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Great. You were having a vacation during when the big event happened, right?
1: Yeah, it seems like this happens This happens from time to time, right? I don't take a lot of holiday, but when I've been away, there have been a couple of big, big deals in, in Southeast stages, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Coincidence, maybe? Or maybe they just found out that, you know, they got your holiday schedule from TechCrunch. and then Yeah,
1: it must be about me. It's all about me, right? <laughs> but I think like a couple of years ago, Alibaba Lazada deal like broke when I was away and now the Grab, the Grab Uber deal, so yeah
0: sometimes. So maybe the next time you take on vacation, another big deal will happen. And my main guest today is none other than John Russell, reporter at TechCrunch who broke the story for the announcement of Grab acquiring Uber Southeast Asia. I think today I'm going to get you on this time around to talk about two episodes at least because I think that there's so many acquisitions that's been happening in the past week that we need to have a longer conversation. So the first thing before we start on the main subject of the day, since we last spoke, what have you been up to?
1: On vacation, really. (laughs) all kinds of different things when's the last time that we' spoke I've been on the podcast quite a few times which I'm always always happy to do I think yeah, it's interesting to watch you know you're talking about grab uber um, I think you're giving me a bit too much credit here I mean uh, a lot of the, the stories that were that were written the, the the first sort of leaks or scoops of the news came from outside of uh, Southeast Asia so. I think it was interesting to see that obviously it was quite clear from that that the deal was being done by folks you know in San Francisco or in New York or basically not in the region. So, which I think is you know, it's the, I guess it's the first deal of, of its kind in Southeast Asia. You know, six billion dollar company merging with, with um, Uber is, is pretty big, and so I guess lots of elements from the deal were you know what we see this in this part of the world,
0: but we always see that this deal is actually coming given how Uber has been in such a negative downward spiral since last year after all the scandals broke up and Travis Kalanick got replaced by Dara Kowashwari.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think, it, you know, there were lots of rumors, right? And at a basic level, it makes sense, right? Once, as soon as SoftBank completed its investment in Uber, you know, it didn't really make sense for them to have two competing companies, you know. That, and I think this market is challenging one anyway at the moment. A lot of people have written and there have been a lot of reports about where it's going to be in sort of the next... 10 years, five years, but it's not really there at the moment, right? So even if you owned the entire, you know, right hailing market inside of Asia, stage, you're probably still not going really to be profitable, you know, let alone when you have two companies that are competing for it and you know, they're having to compete by offering, you know, d- discounts to drivers and passengers. It doesn't really make sense in that respect, right, for SoftBank to have two companies that are losing even more money than they would do because they're having to fight. So, I guess you know people outside the region it, it seemed it seemed obvious right, especially when you consider that you know uber had left china and and uh, Russia where it had been pretty the situation had been pretty pretty similar so So yeah, but I I guess people in the region, we didn't really like the idea of this, right? Because we like the competition. And I think, you know, there's lots of good reasons to have two companies. So I think most people that I talk to have been pretty anti
0: the whole deal, right? So we have two part conversation, I guess the first part really concerns Southeast Asia, and then the second part will concern Northeast Asia, mainly in China. So I think the First part I want to talk about is Grab acquiring Uber Southeast Asia. The only data point I have is that there's an equity swap of 27.5%, meaning that Uber will have 27.5% of Grab. And I don't know whether there are any cash deal involved, but let me just start off with the very first question to you. Before the deal happened, there have been rumors circulating about Uber and Grab are in talks to discuss the acquisition, similar to how the DD was done. I mean, the fact that Dara actually avoided Southeast Asia and just traveled to India and Japan. What is the backstory on the circumstances that led to this deal happening? And of course... Who do you think the leakers are
1: <laughs> I, I don't I don't have all the answers here right I think it's pretty clear right that this is a deal that is being done not by people in the region but by people outside of the region right so whether that's investors in Silicon Valley or Softbank I guess is an obvious candidate right considering that they're investing in both companies. And yeah, they, you know, anecdotally, there's definitely a lot of small factors, right? You know, for example, you mentioned the CEO came over to do an Asia tour and he went to Japan and he went to India, but he didn't come to Southeast Asia. They had product teams in different parts of the world that were working on localizing their Uber service in certain ways. And that didn't really have a team in Southeast Asia. And just so my my take on it is obviously it's a great deal for Grab because they get two things. They get their main competitor out of the way. You know, they're buying the Uber ride-hailing app and Uber Eats they're closing the app apparently pretty soon, right, in the next couple of days now. And they're going to fold Uber Eats into new Grab food service. So they get, you know, they get to take all of the all of the pie, so to speak. But I think also there's more than that. And I've heard that Grab is hiring for more than a thousand people at the moment. They have a thousand open jobs. And so they wanted to fill those with a lot of Uber people. So I think 500-odd Uber staff are planned to transition over to so I think it's two things. I mean, one obviously is to get more share in the market, but two is also to get the talent in to grow their business. And they're going into financial services, you know, mobile payments. You know, there's a whole the food delivery service, so they really need to scale their business too. So I think it's a twofold deal, and I think that's the reason why Uber has got such an attractive exit deal, right? Because you, when you read it in the press, oh yeah, Uber has beaten like Grab, Slade, Uber, all these kind of things. You hear it's not actually. I mean, it's true that Grab won, right? They were the biggest player. But Uber's obviously got something that Grab wants. If they can still get a deal where they get, you know, Twenty-seven and a half percent of a six billion dollar company—like that's not a bad exit, right? And obviously, that share is likely to grow as well as Grab moves into other areas like food delivery and financial services. So, I think you know, it's not like that. Grab won and Uber lost. It's like you know, Uber decided at some point that Grab was just a bit too powerful in Southeast Asia, and I guess they looked at the at where the market is at, at this point, and they figured like they could spend, they could optimize the money that they would spend in Southeast Asia you know, much, much better if they spent it either in the US or India or other parts of the world. So I think it was a bit more than just, you know, one of them wins and one of them loses, which I think a lot of media have gone to town on. Grab is the uber slayer of uh, Southeast Asia or or whatever you will, right?
0: Well, that's the part that is the heroic story for Grab. The fundamental question I also want to ask is that, was it just only an equity swap deal or are there also cash involved where Grab has to pay something to Uber in order to do the acquisition?
1: Yeah, so there's nothing that's been disclosed. I mean, I've heard some sort of rumors that there was some money that changed hands like under 100 million US dollars and that that was just for like uh, cleaning some pieces up like operationally because I think that the transition of talent is going to take some time, right? It's not like, you know, you work for Uber on Monday and then on Tuesday you work for Grab. I think that you know, moving that many people across is always going to take some time. So I think there was some cash that changed hands. But considering that the, the you know, the, the stake that Uber's taken is worth, what, 1.6 billion, I think the actual cash part of it is pretty is pretty tiny, really. So maybe you know more. I don't know. Do you know more than me about this? Probably.
0: <laughs> well, I did have a couple of people who are my sources and who are also investors to both companies who I shall not name. And I did know the number that Grab wanted was 27%. And kind of the week before the deal broke out, I actually reviewed it to one of my friends was a regular listener on the show. And I told him the deal sh- should close around 27%, but it closed at 275 which I kind of got it right.
1: Nice. Obviously, she just to told me I was on holiday, but anyway,
0: anyway. <laughs> No, now the tables are turned to, right? But part that I didn't get was the cash piece. And I I think that all the while, the few I've been getting from the investors, it was going to be a pure equity swap deal. And they tried to minimize the amount of cash transfer between both companies. I think that that was one of the key parts on this deal that makes it so interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely right. And it's, it's like a truce, right? You know, there's no need to exchange cash when you know you're giving people. Like you know, on one hand, Uber is getting a a, you know a a pretty good stake in a company that is you know bound to grow, right? You know, Grab is getting as as I mentioned, like is getting more access to the market because they're getting they're knocking out their biggest competitor, and then obviously they're getting that talent which they really do need, right? They've had to open up offices, you know, in Seattle and in India, you know, to to get extra talent because they just there's just a limited number of people who are. Who are here in Southeast Asia that can that can be part of their team? So I think that is actually an underreported and a very important piece of the deal.
0: So there lies the question then: Who are the winners and losers for Grab and Uber Southeast Asia deal? The the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to give five different groups of stakeholders, and then you tell me oh what man under they are pressure now? Okay, okay,
1: <laughs> shoot. <laughs> let's start, Let's start off with Grab first. Win obviously, right they get more access they get less competition in the market and they get more talent coming over to fill those a thousand vacant jobs that they've got at the moment
0: Uber Southeast Asia
1: Uber is also a win, maybe not as much of a win as grab, but they still win because they've got a very decent chunk of a company that is only going to grow and they don't have the operational uncertainty of op- of being in Southeast Asia where they were losing cash.
0: I would be curious to know what's Didi's stake in Grab? Because if Uber and Didi does go into war, they might both try to consolidate Grab under them. I think that is also one question that That's very interesting to me. I don't know. I mean, perhaps you know, but I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just listening and just understanding the market better. I think a lot of listeners and audience out there probably would just hear about Grab and Uber Southeast Asia, but they forgot that there is a very big competitor to Grab, but only currently in Indonesia, which is called Gojek. And Gojek have raised about 1.2 billion round from a couple of investors, Google, Tencent, and a couple of big investors as well. So the question is for Gojek, will they be winner or loser? Because I did wrote a, a newsletter article about considering the potential pitch that Gojek might make a play for Uber Southeast Asia assets.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the big question, right? I don't think anyone has the answer. I mean, talking to people at like Gojek, they're pretty confident, right? They are quite happy that Uber is out of the equation. It makes it easier to just fight with one other person. And there's all this talent that is supposedly going over to grab, but I don't doubt that Gojek will probably you know, cherry pick certain people who they think can add value to the their company too right especially now you know pretty it's pretty public but they're you know looking to move into a few different countries very soon and i think so vietnam is one thailand is another and the philippines is a third and Singapore also too. So obviously they'd be looking for the kind of people that Uber had or the guys that set the company up in Southeast Asia in the first place. And they very much that role that Gojek would be looking to fill is more aligned, I would say, with what Uber Southeast Asia staff have done than it is with those guys going over to Grab, right? If you were one of the launchers you know, one of the first sort of 10 or 20 people in Uber Southeast Asia, then you'd probably think, yeah, actually, I prefer to be at GoJet than a, than a big company like Grab. So I think it's interesting. Who knows, right? Who knows? But it's definitely not easy. I mean, as a brand, sure, they're big in Indonesia, but they don't have any brand in any other country in Southeast Asia. So I think it's going to be quite tough. And they got to start again in four different c- countries. But I mean, it's going to be great. I'm excited. I mean, everybody just, I guess everybody outside of the region just assumes that once Uber leaves, Grab is going to dominate that country. And I think as we're seeing in the Chinese, market too there are other players that are also thinking that there's a good opportunity to come in even after uber's
0: gone and i think that the interesting point is that e- Indonesia market is the largest market in southeast asia so there's also this question that many people like myself have is that can any company from singapore or malaysia expand into southeast asia and take out the market because there may be local sentiments involved there may be nationalist tendencies as well, as we have observed in the Chinese market.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Like Indonesia, as you, as you say, is, is the fourth largest country for population, population, you know, the largest economy in Southeast Asia. So it's obviously huge. But, you know, I think there's been a question before as, as to whether Gojek, which is very much the leading player in Indonesia, whether they would go overseas at all. And it seems like the timing of the Uber Grab deal has worked out pretty good for them, right? Because now they have a much better chance, I think, in Europe. Way of competing. Whereas if there were three of them, three doesn't really work as well as two.
0: Well, of course, there's the drama that both CEOs are former classmates in the same Harvard Business School class. So there's also something to talk about. But what about the employees at Uber Southeast Asia? Do you think that they're the losers of this whole deal? I think it's tough, right? There's, I mean, there's so many different, so that 500
1: people who are moving over. They're from all kinds of different countries, all kinds of different roles inside the company. I don't doubt that a lot of them probably don't want to go over to Grab. It would be weird, right? If you're competing with a company for so long and then you and one day you're like, oh, I have to go and join that that company. Maybe the role isn't quite the same within Grab. I think, I think Grab probably is a bigger organization in Southeast Asia than, than Uber is. So there, no doubt there will be a lot of them who, who sort of don't fancy it. I guess there'll be others that do. I mean, I can't speak for 500 people, right? <laughs> but I do think the, the more senior guys who sort of run countries or run divisions within Uber Southeast Asia, I think they would be looking to a Gojek or potentially other companies too, perhaps.
0: I heard the non-compete clauses for the employees at Uber Southeast Asia joining Grab and they're favorable, right? Yeah, so uh, I'm
1: actually doing some research on uh, at, at the moment, but I'll just say that it seems at this point like the Southeast Asia deal for Uber staff is a bit different to how, how it has been in other places. So in China and in in uh, Russia. So obviously China, they sold to Didi and then Didi kept the Uber app going. And so there was a need for like operational people to, to stay on for Uber China. Russia, they did a joint venture with Yandex, like the biggest internet company there, which has a ride-sharing company. The Uber app continued to run for another six months. So again, they needed their staff to, to, to be there for that. Grab, when they announced the deal, they said they're closing their Uber app in two weeks, right? So there's a, that's a much different, do they need staff along with the two weeks? I think that they're trying their best having talked to both companies. But I think it's just a very difficult thing to manage, right? Like 500 people moving over to another company is quite, it's quite a tough thing to do, yeah. But I mean, I would agree with you that I think personally think that like some of the terms do seem a bit a bit forced. I don't think that you can make somebody join another, another company. And it looks like there are some clauses within, you know, the sort of transition where to some extent, like the Uber employees, their immediate future is in the hands of Grab. So whether Grab makes them an offer or not, and whether they accept it or don't that impacts the the compensation that they get from uber and i guess that's a part of the deal that they've negotiated because they want to keep that talent inside inside grab but certainly i can understand if some of them are a bit sort of upset that they've been abandoned by by uber
0: i think the last group of people which i totally don't want to forget is consumers like you and me in southeast asia are we the losers of this deal
1: well i think it's early to say right and i know grab has gone a big PR offensive to say that they're not going to change their prices and you know they're they're going to keep everything as it stands. I guess you know from an antitrust perspective, that's kind of important to put that message out there. I mean, I don't really blame anybody for being upset about this because you want there's something that's reassuring about having two companies that are that are competing somewhere. And even if Grab does keep its prices, you can understand consumers not really being you know Grab has to earn that trust by by actually by actually walking the the walk on prices, they can't expect to just say, oh, we're going to keep them, the price is the same and everyone to say, oh, okay, that's absolutely fine. I mean, as we're seeing, you know, with Facebook and others, people are beginning to, you know, have a level of uh, distrust for tech companies. And so I think Grab may be upset that people are, are not trusting it, but they have to earn that really, right? I mean, personally, I, I don't use ride-hailing apps all that much, more than like a couple of times a, you know, per, per week. But definitely like as a consumer, it doesn't feel good, right? And that explains why you know Singapore, Philippines, Malaysia, and probably others are got, looking into that deal pretty uh, closely, right?
0: There's deeper implications to the deal happening. One is, what does that mean for right-hailing in Southeast Asia? Given that Grab has everything else except Indonesia, would they eventually surround them and basically beat them in Indonesia then? I think these are the two things that sort of comes to mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like, it's quite funny, it seems like Grab is positioning itself or arguing that you shouldn't really... Look at its position in the market, just on on the apps, right? I think their numbers—they own like 60% of the ride-hailing business, or the ride-hailing revenue, or of rides, or whatever you like, across Southeast Asia. But it seems like they're positioning their market share on a more sort of broad focus, which is that like, oh, you can also hail a taxi without the apps, right? So when they were pushing media about how successful that they were, they were very much playing up the, the ownership of the app, you know, based hailing market. And now that the you know all these governments are looking into the deal, they're sort of talking about it more broadly as point to point, right? Which also includes like, you know, on street hailing, SMS hailing. And I guess that's because they don't want to be too too dominant of this ideal so it depends whether you look at it on a you know strictly on a basis of people uh, hailing hailing rides via an app or do you look at it as an overall sort of sort of a taxi
0: industry basis i think the next question is probably really is a strategic question do you see the domino for uber to also collapse in india with Ola taking over Uber's assets in India, given that SoftBank also owns Ola and Uber now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty clear, right, that there have been conversations. Anecdotally, I've heard that, and there's been lots of coverage in the press about those two companies, you know, meeting together and talking. You know, Uber's CEO's command said, this deal with Grab is the last time they're going to be exiting a region. They're probably, I mean, that's not saying that he won't do any more deals, right? It just means that they're not going to be the minority anymore, So I guess that means that if they're pushing for a deal with Ola, they want to buy
0: Ola, right? I mean, if they lose India, Uber is just basically a regional power. Basically, they only have US and the European markets. There's really no value for them to grow
1: it's really hard to know who's
0: winning each market, like what
1: the market share is. But the sort of anecdotal evidence that you hear from India is that actually Uber is doing pretty good. So Uber doesn't cover as much of the country as Ola does, but those markets that does cover, those cities it does cover, it competes pretty fairly, if not above. And I think that was the same in Southeast Asia for a long time. And then it just seemed like, you know, 2017, maybe there was all this crisis happening inside the company, and they just sort of took their eye off the ball and just didn't invest the same as they've been doing in Southeast Asia, which is why I think, personally, that Grab got ahead. But it seems like in India, they are a bit more focused. They have an India president there. You know, there's a bit more autonomy there. And I guess that has probably helped them at least stay at the at the same level as Ola, if not perhaps ahead. So I, I guess that would give them a better, a better shot at buying out the other company rather than as was the case in Southeast Asia, you know, and China being the one that's bought out. That would be my guess for what for what happens, right? Is that they're pushing Ola to they want to be the dominant one that buys the other one. And probably Ola thinks that it should be the other way around. So I guess the challenge now for those two is to who wins that one. And I I'd imagine again, like this is just based on what I think, not from any knowledge I have, but that, you know, Softbank would be keen to broker that deal. And now it's between those two to prove which is the one that is the buyer and which one is the one that is going
0: to be the seller? The question would be: SoftBank will they still play a role in making sure that all their assets are playing nice to each other?
1: I don't think they. I don't think they care about who's playing nice. They just care about what's the best solution f- for them, right? Like I've heard of other deals where they've walked into a deal and they've made all these demands that maybe even the founders don't actually like, but because of the the power that, that they have. They've got the deal done in the way that they want. So I don't think that they really care about, well, I don't know that they don't care, but they 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 obviously prioritise their own goals above everyone else's.
0: I, I think the last question for me, just before we close this, would be the Competition Commission of Singapore has said that it has reasonable grounds to suspect the merger of Grab and Uber Southeast Asia has infringed the Competition Act and also triggered the similar conversations in Malaysia and Philippines governments to look into the deal, the question would be, is there a possibility that the deal gets defrayed or maybe some other unintended consequences might happen because of this?
1: Yeah, well, you give me all the really tough ones today, right? (laughs) I I mean, so you're asking me, is the deal going to go through or not? I mean, so I personally think that the deal can go through because as I said, like I don't actually use ride hailing apps all that much. I sometimes take street taxis. So I can understand personally that there's also there's another way to get taxis without, you know, using my phone. But other people don't think like that. And other people will only book taxis if they book it from their phone. So I think it depends on your own personal take. And I think it's an impossible one to call. I mean, I imagine that it's such a big deal. And I think the fact that it's Grab that's buying Uber and not the other way around is ultimately a reason that is going to go through. I think if it was Uber buying up Grab, I think the regulatory framework and the, the approach that they'd be taking, you know, you might see a you might see a bit more concern. But I mean, what, what can they even do there? What they so they have to so. I, don't, I mean, I don't really, I don't get, I mean, maybe you, you can help me here. What happens if the commission says that this deal is not a legal deal? They, they unwind the deal in full or in some countries. I
0: mean, it's not very clear, right? That's right. But I mean, unlike the US, which have very clear laws, if a deal is being defrayed, then what will happen is that there's actually a breakup fee that would have to happen. For example, Broadcom was unable to acquire Qualcomm and they have to pay $3 billion for a breakup fee because the deal didn't went through. So I think in the Singapore situation, where m deals are pretty much more fluid, there might be a structural issue. It will also challenge the way how competition commissions in the region thinking about this.
1: The hard, I mean, I guess the hard part is this is like these are two companies that are in eight different countries in Southeast Asia. The impact is beyond you know Singapore only. I mean, I'm not sure whether I mean I'm not, I'm not sure what would happen whether it would they, they could wind up the deal so that in Singapore Uber was still going and Grab was if they thought that was the right thing to do, or they will be all eight countries. Or I mean, to me it just seems too complicated right and i i also do think that there's a that there's a broader thing here that you know you can also and also in singapore you can book taxis in the in the dedicated taxi apps right so so comfort has its own app and and others do too right so there is an there is an argument that there is a bit more c- competition but definitely in terms of like you know your sort of smartphone hailing apps you would say that they have a, do, a very a very dominant you know position by buying an
0: uber i thought i should just have to add this because last year i was being invited to speak in a competition law conference in singapore by actually dealing with a global competition commissions and one interesting question that does come out is that the moment when both companies merge, you actually get the data of the customers. And in this case, Grab has actually got the entire database of Uber Southeast Asia users. So the question is that might actually strengthen the ways that they can do business much more, giving them more advantage over maybe the taxi companies. I think, I think these are questions that they have to deal with, I guess, the government will have to figure it out in one way or another. Complicated, huh? Very complicated. It's like, it's so I mean, all of these rumors about this deal
1: ha- happening, you know, it had been like weeks and weeks and, and months. And then you think, okay, now that's done. And actually there's a whole lot more that's going on, right? The talent being transferred and then there's this regulation angle. It's probably going to go on for a few months, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, it's something that's worth watching. And probably we should just take a break and come back for the second part, which is much more interesting.
1: Okie dokie.